The sun has left and forgotten me. It's dark, I cannot see. Your stories don't define you, how you tell them will. Hi, I'm Sarah Elkins, your host and chief storymaker at Elkins Consulting. If you've ever listened to my podcast, you know I have a thing for food, wine, music, um, pretty much anything that connects us on a deeper level than just a short conversation. Because even a few seconds of music can connect you with any audience far faster than most anything you can just say. And that leads me into my guest for today, Kurt Sasek. I met him on LinkedIn. I saw something he shared, um, a comment on somebody's post. It was highly insightful. And then I checked out his profile. And you are going to love hearing some of these stories of um, restarting and um, transformation in life. And as you know, listeners, I'm all about identity and relevance and how we find that in our everyday lives. Kurt, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, no, thank you for having me. Well, I'm, I'm excited to get started. You know that I like to start by asking my guests to share something about themselves that most people don't know about them. And I do that so that we get multi-dimensions of the person that we're about to meet in um, a slightly different depth. So what do you have to share with us? Anything? Anything. Yes, this is not, there's no rating on this show. So I I absolutely hate velvet to the (laughs) point where touching it feels like, is like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. I cannot stand velvet. I don't know what it is. I don't like to, I don't even like to look at it. It just something about velvet. It's some weird thing for me. Um, and I also like Cheetos. So there. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, so listeners, I was just grabbing a glass of water and I, I had a sip in my mouth when he said, I hate velvet and it almost came out my nose. <laughs> yeah, is... I, I, I literally detest it. <laughs> the feeling of it is just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, there's something about it. Uh, um, I completely understand that there's, there's, it's a texture thing. I have issues with certain kinds of food and you, you know, you've heard that I will eat almost anything to try it at least once, but there's something about eggplant and okra. Those are two things that I just, I have a problem with and it's all texture related. It's not about the flavor. So I understand velvet's a, a weird texture, but remind me not to wear, you know, formal gown and velvet around you next time. <laughs> Luckily, there's not a lot of velvet around these days, right? Uh, well, no, and I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't recall the last time I saw it. Right. Well, because upholstery is generally not velvet anymore. Right. You don't, you don't have a lot of experiences with formal gowns, especially in winter. Because I remember in the in the early '90s, I was in a couple weddings, both of which were in winter, and both of which had velvet bridesmaid dresses. So. Oh. I know. I could just see your face. Listeners, if you could just see his face. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh... That's hilarious. And Cheetos. Mm. Okay. Well, somehow we're going to wrap that into the rest of our conversation. I know we'll find a way. So um, for our listeners, just so that we can get started in um, a, a different part of your life, the, your current part of your life. When you think about a recent experience in the work that you do, your income-producing activities, can you share um, an experience recently that you really enjoyed, that you really felt satisfying? 
as a, you mean as a, as a coach, the, the, the life and career mm-hmm. strategist. Exactly. You know, really, your current work. It, it's, it's, um, there's a similarity between this and when I was, a, and when I was a chef, when I was a chef, if I cook something for somebody and they loved it, uh, you know, that's a form of payment that's, that's intangible, you know, and, and it's, uh, I made their life better for a brief period of time. But now what I'm doing as a life and career strategist, you know, is, you know, the, the impact I can have on somebody is literally life-changing, you know, and, you know, I was on a client call last week and I remember this, it, my, my client said, so, she, we were talking about something and somehow she said, oh, yeah, you know, I, I had to replace the well at my house. Like every time I get ahead, something else comes up. And it just so happens that we were in the part of the, the module in my one-on-one coaching course where we talk about limiting beliefs. And I said, oh, see right there, that's a limiting belief. She's like, what? Uh, what is? I said, well, you just said where when you get ahead financially, something else always comes up. Now, my father used to say it all the time, and I used to carry that, and I ended up getting money blocks. And because, you know, it, limiting beliefs are so insidious and they're so ingrained in us, we don't even recognize them. And, you know, they just kind of fly under the radar. So when I told her that, it, it didn't really sink in at first because she'd been saying that her whole life. And I said, where did you learn that? Did your, you, somebody used to tell you that? Yeah, my dad used to tell me that. I was like, oh, mine too. So that, it, it, when I brought that to her attention, it got her thinking. And then I walked her through the exercise of, of what we call uh, in, in the coaching world, rewriting the narrative, where you take a limiting belief and you write it down. And then next to it, you write down evidence to the contrary. And so I did, as I said, okay, tell me about some times in your life where you did get ahead financially and nothing screwed it up. She had to think about it. And then she said, well, I saved up enough money to get a, over four years to buy a house and nothing you know, screwed up that progress. I was like, oh, that's four years. That's pretty significant without any kind of you know, hiccups. And then we, I asked her, you know, dig a little bit deeper, and she found a couple, a couple other examples to the contrary. And I said, so see, that's not necessarily the case now, is it? Maybe at times it's happened, which can happen to anybody. You have to change your tires or get a new carburetor or replace your well or your TV. But look, you just, we just, within five, 10 minutes, we just picked, we just rattled off four, uh, it was about, if I remember, uh, four or five things that was evidence to the contrary. And, and then we, we rewrote the narrative, which is where you, you write the narrative in a positive manner. Like you might write something like, when I get ahead financially, I get even further ahead. Because when we repeat those negative stories, it's it's like solidifying it into our existence more, and it's you know because it, it, you're confirming it more. You know, right. it's like my guitar teacher told me, "You are what you practice." Mm-hmm. So you know, because I was learning, I was trying to learn a guitar solo. Long story short, and it came out a bit David Gilmore sounding because I was playing a lot of Pink Floyd at the time, and he said, "You are what you practice." So it's the same thing about the stories we tell ourselves, because I know you like to talk about stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so anyways, to get to the point, she, we worked on that and it was just, 
because I do the calls usually on Zoom, and it was just really cool to see her face when she discovered, uh, started understanding right. this, and like, ah, that's you know, because again, when it comes to limiting beliefs, I mean, that's not the only thing I deal with, but that's one of the things I deal with. It's a big it, one. They fly under the radar, right? And until you can name it, until you see it happening, or have somebody else, I I keep coming back to the fact that. I would not have accomplished as much as I have without a coach pointing those things out to me. And even if I knew it at the time, until somebody externally said, I'm seeing a pattern here, I, I'm not yeah. sure I would have been able to change it. Well, it, it's funny you say that because th that's the whole point of having a coach, because especially when, it, you know, the work I do is, is it's about, you know, doing internal work. And that's really hard for a person to see in themselves. I don't care how smart you are, how educated, if you're a coach or not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, like you said, about the best. A, a coach can help you identify patterns within yourself that you don't see. And then, of course, the purpose exactly. of a coach is to get you from point A to point B faster than you could on your own. Right. And I think... Um... I don't consider myself a life coach or career coach. I'm more into the communication side of coaching people to improve communication, improve relationships. And one of the things that came up for me, I hired somebody to coach me um, because I believe in it. And I said, I, I said to one of my clients, she said, wait, you have a coach? And I said, well, yeah, I believe in it. I know this stuff works. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I hit any kind of point where I'm questioning what I'm doing, or I'm not sure I did the best job for a particular client, I go back to my coach and say, hey, can we work through a few sessions? Because I, I think I'm missing something here. Yeah. And um, I love what you said, because when you see that the expression change on a person's face, when it goes from puzzlement to awe. Or, oh, and, sh oh shit, why didn't I see that before? Right. Oh my gosh. I get so many of those. I get those when I'm working with a client and I get one for myself. I'm like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> I just, Ooh, that was a projection. <laughs> a, kind of amazing how transparent you can be in, yeah. in order to be helpful. So I love that story on so many levels. I always describe it as not a, a light bulb moment, but it's more on a dimmer switch. So for instance, I, I recognize the patterns sometimes, but I can't always change them. And going from understanding it and slowly, gradually seeing it, and then all of a sudden the light comes on bright enough for you to make a change. But I don't believe in a light switch moment because I think we're all kind of more on a dimmer switch. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And because it's rare that it's like light bulb. Right. You know, it's it more like time. a gradual learning or well sometimes i'd say light bulb but yes it, a lot of times it's kind of gradual you just you, it's kind of like the way i describe it to people is is you have all the answers inside you you just don't know how to look for them or see them it's like putting pieces of a puzzle together you have all the pieces right you just don't know how to put them together right and, and sometimes you don't the gradual know what thing is you start getting a piece here a piece there and then exactly. gradually you have the whole puzzle. Exactly. And sometimes you don't know what questions to ask in terms of where that's, the pieces are. <laughs> where is I, that piece? I know it's yeah. here. That's why you have a coach. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I love that. 
So when you think about what you're doing now and um, you think about what you used to do, you mentioned midlife crisis, which you called, you called it something else afterward. What, what was the word oh, you crap. used? I forgot already. Um, a reset. A reset yeah. or, or uh, I, the way I like to describe it because I like to add humor where I can. If you remember, it's, it's, it's a do-over. If you remember the movie do-over. City Slickers, Oh, the guy, yeah. Daniel Stern's character was banging the cashier. Uh, and, and, you know, they're on that that cowboy drive and, you know, for like two weeks. And at the end, he's like, you know, my life's over. I lost my wife. I lost my job. And I'm, you know, 40 or 41 or whatever. And Billy Crystal character. And who, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, he passed away, the other actor. But Bruno Kirby, their characters are like, no, remember when you were kids, you hit the ball into the tree, you get a do over. So I like to call it a do-over. Yeah, absolutely. And as long as you're aware of what got you into that pattern in the first place, you can avoid driving back into that pattern, right? I, I like that. You, after the first time you, you know. Well, how many of us have done it over and over again without consciousness? We we get into oh, a yeah. pattern we don't even know we're in. So yeah, back to that whole idea of having a coach, which is so different from therapy. So um so when you think about the one of your do-overs, I, I think in terms of um, the transformative stories, and again, dimmer switch in terms of something has to happen a few times in different ways before you start to see the pattern. My mom once said when I was 19, no, I was 18, I was camp counselor and having a problem with one of my colleagues. And my mom said, life is full of trials. And until you figure out what this lesson is that the universe is trying to teach you, you're going to keep experiencing it through your life with different people, but the same kind of trial. So um, what was one of the stories that alerted you that it was time for a reset or a do-over? Well, when I was, uh, I was a chef for 27 years. Uh, I knew I wanted to be a chef since I was probably 11. And I I kind of had my whole life mapped out by like 12 or 13, no joke. And so I was chasing my dream, you know, being a chef and knocking out the goals one by one by one. And I, I climbed the top of the career mountain. I did everything I wanted to do. I lived and worked in seven countries and I did more than a lot of chefs. I don't mean that in a bragging sense, but I mean it in the sense of, I really did uh, quite a bit. I did, I was, you know, I was an award-winning, very successful chef. My career was my passion, even to the point to where I deliberately chose not to start a family or get married because I was afraid it would interfere with my career. So it'd be an understatement to say my career was my identity. Right. That's fairly common for anybody who's driven and a high achiever because you give so much to your career, even to the point sometimes where you may hurt yourself or other. But so anyways, by my mid to late 30s, my passion for my career just started dying. I didn't know why. I thought it was, you know, I needed to change jobs. So I, I changed jobs several times uh, and that didn't work because I didn't think for a second, like, oh, I need to change careers. Right. I don't so want to be I, a That was anymore. my life, right? That was a life goal, you know? And then when the realization started sinking in that maybe I need to change careers, then it was like, kind of like a fuck you to the universe. Cause I'm like, wait a minute. I've invested too much time into this this career and this is the life plan. And, and so there was a bit of, yeah, definitely some defiance, definitely 
a lot of fuck yous to the universe because it's like, wait a minute, th- this isn't part of the life plan. You, you know, I felt like I was robbed. Right. So right. it went to get to the point. I was really down about it. And so, you know, I started, I, I thought, well, let me try an unorthodox approach. That's, you know, probably groundbreaking. I'll start, you know, I'll, I'll drink more. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was wondering that, if that's where you were going with this. <laughs> yeah. Then that kind of like created its own set of problems as it usually does. But I remember I had like quit drinking a couple of times and went back. And I remember I was sitting at home watching TV. Actually, it was City Slickers come to think of it. I love uh, that movie. Because, <laughs> well, here's what's funny is, and this is where it all comes together. So City Slickers, you know, uh, Billy Crystal's character is going through a midlife crisis. And I could resonate with some of the way he was feeling, like very blah. Life was like, so it, it was. it's just kind of funny that that it, you know, I mentioned City Slickers a minute ago, and and we're coming back to it. But so, I I was drinking. Uh, you know, it was after work. I was drinking like like usual. Had a cigar, and I remember it. It just kind of just dawned on me. I'm like, fuck, nothing's changing. The same shit over and over again. You know, and, and I remember it pretty clear. I, I actually I dumped out the bottle right then and there. I think I may have drank once or twice more after that, but I knew I was done. And I'm, I guess I'm one of those anomalies. I can still have a, a drink sometimes. I'm okay. Uh, just cause mm-hmm. the thought of going out and getting fucked up just doesn't appeal to me. No. Um, <laughs> like stick, you know, so, but with all of that said, it, that was probably one of the most poignant moments when I was sitting there and, and just, you know, cause I was, I was making shit pegs. I took a job in this little town and, and, you know, cause I, I took a job in a small restaurant seeing it. Well, maybe if I'm cooking more, I'll, it'll re reignite my fire and love of cooking, but eh, mm-hmm. no, that didn't work. As opposed to managing and. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, top I was, of the line. you know, I was overseeing teams of like right. you know, 200 uh, multi-million yeah. dollar food and beverage operations. And it, it, you know, so I, for, for several years, I was just stuck. I was negative. I was playing the victim, complaining. I was being a, you know, a little bitch. <laughs> and I just kind of, you know, and like I said, I just had, the, I don't know if you want to call it an epiphany, but I was sitting there Absolutely. watching TV and it just kind of dawned on me. I'm like, fuck, nothing's changing. Same shit over and over again. And then, you know, I just. What's the thought, first thing you did? What, what Like the very first thing I, I'm thinking about this because. I had a moment similar to that when I was in my last job before I became exclusively self-employed. I had had this side hustle. I remember just being bummed, low energy. I'm usually really high energy. I'm at work and I realized, wow, I'm just really, I'm not happy right now. And over the weekend, I like in my head, maybe drinking, I don't remember. But I remember that Monday looking up at my calendar on the wall at work and realizing, oh, it's the two-year mark. And I'm a two to three year employee because that's that's been something that I enjoy is to change jobs periodically. And I remember looking at the calendar and realizing I don't want to change jobs. I I want to make this work for as long as it has to until I can hire myself, until I can do something that really lights me up where I can see the impact every day of the work that I do. And I remember looking at the calendar and thinking, this is not forever, but I'm going to keep this job. I'm going to make it work for me until I can find the right thing, not just the next thing. 
I I like I'm visualizing myself right now sitting in that office, which was a beautiful office. It was a good job. And looking at the calendar and thinking, I'm not going to switch jobs. Mm, yeah. So what and and then the very next thing I did was I went on to LinkedIn and I found somebody that I had been connected with for a long time and said, can you walk me through what the next thing might look like for me? And I had this wonderful coaching appointment, like wonderful game-changing coaching appointment. I So that was like within 24 hours of looking at the calendar and having that transformative moment, that aha moment. Within 24 hours, I had made an appointment with a coach to talk through what might be next. Develop uh, clarity. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you do next? I mean, did you just quit your job or did you call somebody with your aha moment? No, I, I was at that time, there were certain things in my life I was unhappy about that I couldn't change. And I was, you know, I was like kind of at zero in every way, including financially. This was like 12 mm -hmm. years ago. Um, so then there was, there was actually another moment. I don't remember if it was the next morning, but it was right around that time. And I remember, so that was the culmination of some of the, the, the negativity and the drinking. But then there was also another moment I, uh, I, I had where it just, I thought, okay, there's certain things in my life I'm not happy about. Well, actually, I wasn't happy with most things at that point. But I thought, okay, there's certain things I can't change. So I'm not going to stress about that, but there's certain things I can change. And one of those things, I can change and have complete control over is my attitude. I can be negative, bitchy, and moany, or I can just accept, okay, this is how it is right now, but that doesn't mean it's permanent. And you can chin up and, and you know, weather the storm. I mean, smooth seas don't make a skilled sailor. And, and that was another thing, because that was when it really hit me that it really comes down to mindset, you know, because, and we have a choice. We all have a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I don't care what somebody's going through. I know that's easier to to sit here and say if you're not going through something, you know, horrible. But we all have a choice at the end of the day. You know, mm -hmm. you can choose to be a victim and complain, or you can choose to own it. Because also when you when you take responsibility, you have control over it. Mm -hmm. And so I I had, had enough of being negative. I had had enough of hearing myself complain and bitch and moan. And I I you know, I started, I just, I changed my mindset. So that was right around that time, one of the first things, but it wasn't anything like right away, like, oh, hey, I, I call and I quit my job or because I couldn't, because right. I wasn't in a, a, you know, good position in my life. I, I didn't have that. Cushion. You know, yeah, well, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't in a position financially or otherwise where I could just like go piss off somewhere to, you know, um, Pattaya, find or, yourself yeah, or eat, eat pray love the hell and out of myself yeah. so I, or do do some navel gazing yeah 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 so um but yeah so those were two significant moments probably the two most poignant moments in a within a short period of time of each other that shaped who i am now and what led me to start my coaching business to help others who have gone through similar things mm-hmm so when you um, when you started down the path of being a coach, I know I had to have a certain number of hours of coaching in order to become certified in the the tool that I use. Um, I remember even when I was just doing the practice sessions where I, I couldn't get paid for them because it was part of my certification. 
I remember one moment where one of my clients, I'll just call her that, even though she wasn't paying me, um, when she said, I, I said something about the, her achiever because she has, uh, it's her number one talent in StrengthsFinder. And I said, um, oftentimes somebody with achiever also struggles with um, that imposter phenomenon because they keep on taking on new challenges. And so they're constantly looking for the next challenge uh-huh. and making themselves uncomfortable and not being the the expert in the room. And so they're constantly putting themselves in that discomfort, which is part of the achiever thing. So it's kind of a cycle. And I said, do you see that in yourself? Yeah. And she, I remember this moment where she said, oh my gosh, I never thought of it that way. And I, I just remember this moment of, oh, I, I do understand this tool. This, this has real potential. I remember this moment of going, oh, okay, I hadn't put a whole lot into this in terms of what I thought it would do in, term, in terms of helping people or helping me in my business be successful, mm-hmm. which includes helping people and actually guiding people to understand their talents. And it was that moment that I realized that this has potential and, and I'm, I'm on the right track. So what was one of your first moments when you're like, I'm on the right track? This is, this, this could be seriously helpful, impactful. Well, I knew it right away when I started it because I had hired a business coach to help me. You know, I, I've run businesses before, but I've never started like a solopreneur business. So, you know, really the, you know, the, the, the mantra that he taught everybody is what's a problem you solve that, you know, other people have that you can, you know, make a business out of. And so I, I didn't, there wasn't like a moment per se, uh, you know, like, and I like what, what, what you described, because I knew that what I went through, a lot of people go through, you know, usually I, if it seems like it starts around the mid to late thirties mm-hmm. and, and, you know, so no, I just knew because I went through it and I knew I wasn't really any different than what other people go through. Although when you're going through something significant, whether it be alcohol abuse, depression, uh, bulimia. I mean, I didn't go through that. But anytime you're going through something serious, the weird thing is, is you think you're alone. You think nobody can relate. But then once you start looking, you realize that, oh, actually, I'm not alone. And a lot of people can relate and do understand. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. just that alone makes you feel a little bit better. So it sounds like your coach kind of like when you went to a business coach and you saw the value in it. Yeah, I mean, it like, like I said, it. I know a lot of people go through what I went through, and mm-hmm. I, you know, it, it. I didn't sit there and calculate. Okay, what can I do to make money, or what can I? I actually, I take that back. I did that in the past when I was a LinkedIn coach, and mm-hmm. I would teach people how to use LinkedIn to, to you know, to grow, so, uh, optimize their profile, to show up higher in searches. It, so that is something you know I teach is 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 a supplement to my my one-on-one coaching program, but mm-hmm. that didn't really feel authentic because I was denying all, all so much of my existence, a, a lot of the lessons I learned. So it, again, it was just a no brainer for me because I lived it. And, mm-hmm. and maybe I should rename my program the hard way. Cause every, everything I, I teach for the most part, I either learn the hard way or I learn from a psychotherapist or uh, I learned from an LLP. Cause I, I've, I've taken uh 
uh, NLP training. Can you um, say what NLP training is for our listeners? Yeah, so NLP, it, it's basically, I, I don't know the textbook definition, okay? But it's 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 basically a way to help people. This is my definition, okay? It helps you, it's a way to help you analyze yourself to get out of your own way. So for example, let's say, like I mentioned earlier, let's say you have money blocks. Well, you know, there, there, there's... Uh, there are techniques you can use in NLP to help uncover the root of that money block or whatever the limiting belief is. This is just one example. It's not just about mm-hmm. limiting beliefs, right? but it, it, it's a way of, of questioning and, and getting to the root of, of what may be blocking somebody or, or the, or, or some mm-hmm. problem or something like that. But do you know what it stands for? What the acronym yeah, stands uh, for? Neurolinguistic programming. Oh, right. I and, thought that that was it, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Yeah. Neurolinguistic programming. So listeners think about those words, neurolinguistic. That's basically personal narrative. That's the words you use that your brain is familiar with that you use to describe yourself and your behavior. So neurolinguistic. Yes. And I've been talking about that for years. My book is called Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will. So yeah, (laughs) neuro-linguistic programming. So for our listeners, look it up. There will be some um, resources um, in the blog post associated with this podcast on elkinsconsulting.com, along with contact information for Kurt and where you can follow him and learn more about his programs. So Back to your story, I would like to ask you kind of a a wrap-up, full-circle question about this, because, um, and and at first I was going to ask, I can't remember, but I think Cheetos played a role in the movie City Slickers. Can we pull that back in somehow? Uh, Didn't they eat Cheetos at one point? No, I don't think it does. Uh... Bummer. I thought for sure we were going to be able to bring Cheetos back into the conversation, but I did that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's not in City Slickers. They, there's no, actually, I don't recall. No, the only food that was like prominent was there was those two guys that had the ice cream company, the, <laughs> the characters in the movie. Right. And an Isra or something like that. Yeah, that was so funny. Um, so when I think about my experience in as somebody who is self-employed and who has built a business around improving communication, which is what you're doing as well, whether that's internal communication or external communication, that's that's the key to changing your programming is understanding how you're talking to yourself. So um, when you think about one of your guides, a person who really influenced you, I, I always think about that first coach that I worked with, Arminda Lindsay. She gave me some feedback that was absolutely a game changer for me. And I still talk to her periodically. But the reason she was such an influence on me was because in our first call, it was just a discovery call. And she gave me so much value in that discovery call about a keynote I was about to do when I was still employed by uh, the, in the public sector. I'd gotten this keynote during my, in my side hustle. And she gave me this advice that absolutely changed how I performed how I saw myself, the confidence I had in that keynote is my very first big one where they 
flew me to LA for it. It was like, it was pretty big deal for me. And she, in, in a 30 minute conversation gave me so much value. So who, who did that? Who influenced you in a, in a place where you can look back and say, I want to be that influence every time. You know, there've been a lot. Good. (laughs) That's good to hear. You know, one thing I liked about a chef I used to work for in the past, his name is Richard. I remember a quote he told me once. This is when I was in my like mid twenties. So I wasn't yet a chef. I was a sous chef, which is the the assistant for those who don't Mm -hmm. know what the term means. And I remember he said, and this kind of fitting for how things transpired for me. He said, when your love is food, you'll ultimately be unfair to the one you love. Because to be a chef, and, and I'm not talking about some some shitty corporate restaurant, you know, like like in a in a in a bank uh, or or office building. Right. When, when you're a chef in like five star serious kitchens, you're working more, and there's and what it demands of you because the the operation will never be the same, will never operate with the same intensity if you're not there. You know, because if you're moving mm-hmm. ninety miles an hour everybody else is going to be moving 75. So if you want them to move 90, you got to be moving 120. So mm-hmm. the, the uh, you know, well, it's like imagine a, a football team without the head coach. It's it's never, you know, that's the that's the, the, the gasoline in the engine. Right. You know, and, and so just the demands of the chef profession, especially when you get into fine dining, is much more. And you got to be there. You know, and, and so I, you know, when I left my culinary career, I, I started thinking about that quote more because, like I said, I had put everything else aside for the career and, and I don't regret it because I, I had a great career and I learned a lot. And, you know, I still got plenty of time if I want to. Well, I'm not mm-hmm. having kids. Forget that. But, <laughs> but uh, it's part of what makes you such a good coach is that experience. You couldn't be what you are and what you do if you hadn't had the 27 years of life experience doing what you were yeah. doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, and that's again, and, you know, it's funny. That was the most difficult experience of my life. And little did I know it would lead me to start a business where I'm coaching, you know, executives and high achievers who, who have been successful, uh, you know, climb the, the, their career mountains, but then find their passion died and, and they're like, Oh, you know, you get to a point to where you're like, okay, I don't know what's next, or or you can't quite see the finish line, or maybe you see the finish line, but you don't know how to get there. Or or maybe, you know, like a lot of people, you get to a point in your life where you have uh it's like, man, I've been working for about 20 years, uh, and you just need to reprioritize. You know, you don't mind working hard and putting in the effort, but you, you just need a bit more value out of and purpose out of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, little did I know what was the most di- difficult experience and what almost broke me uh, would would go on to help me help others. And that's that's why I do what I do, because, you know, as a chef, I made their life a little bit better briefly when they're eating. Well, if they like my food, <laughs> but <laughs> when you're coaching people and you can literally impact their life for the better. There's nothing bigger than that. And that's why Absolutely. I do that. Well, I'd like to come back to that just a little bit before we wrap up because what the early in, 
<laughs> no, not the Cheetos. <laughs> I, I like Cheetos. I can't eat them. They give me a headache, but I really like them. But um, That's weird. I know. Well, I keep coming back to this idea of that transformative time where the universe was knocking on your door. The universe was poking you and you felt like. Oh, I wasn't listening. Well, not just not listening. You were actively ignoring it or defying. pushing it away. Defying it is the word that you used. Yes. And um, for our listeners, I, I would love for you to share a little bit about just that, that word defying the universe, how that changed. Like for, I, I have a story in my head where I was um, hiking on the mountain behind my house a lot, a few summers ago. And I kept in three days, I met three different women that I had never met before that were relatively new to the area. It's a small town. So I know a lot of people here have been here over 20 years. And all three of these women ended up telling me their career stories and where they were in this frustrating time in their lives, all three women at the same time. And that had never been the the target audience for the work that I do. Hmm. And it was the third woman. And I thought, okay, Okay, I hear you, universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Okay, I know what you're trying to tell me now. So, um, what was your what was your turnaround with that universal message? What was the slap that, that was heard around the world? Well, it was you know when I when I the the, the two examples I gave before really that mm-hmm. those were the ones that really where I started a mental a, a mindset shift. And started on a path to better. So the the one was the the realization when I was having my whiskey after work and like, man, nothing's right. changing. Watching and then the other flickers. one was was where I, I woke up one day and I thought, I'm just tired of living like this. I'm tired mm-hmm. of being negative. I'm tired of hating on the universe and myself because I didn't like who I saw in the mirror. So and what was it that turned you to coaching? What why? Why coaching? Because there, I I keep coming back to the fact that no matter where you are, even as a chef, as a sous chef, pastry chef, you have potential for that kind of life changing impact if you are aware of not just the people you're feeding, but the people you're cooking with. Those younger chefs or more experienced chefs, you have the potential to make them like their job or hate their job. So yeah, that's life changing. So why? Why coaching? I mean, what was the, for me, that, that moment of, oh, I might be missing my target audience pretty dramatically here. Like, what was the, the, that? Well, I knew I wanted to start my own business. So I hired the, mm-hmm. the business coach, you know, to help me. And, and cause okay. you know, I didn't understand sales funnels and, and, and digital marketing and, and, you know, email campaigns and all that stuff and how right. to, how to brand yourself, how to identify your target audience, any of that stuff. And I just knew because it, it, it was, there wasn't put it this way. When I decided to become a coach, there wasn't a moment where like, Oh, I want to be a coach. It's just, I've been through it. I've lived it, you know, because look, if you're going to, if you're going to sell something, especially if it's a service, you know, when you're selling a product, you don't have to be the brand. If I'm going to make right. a, a you know a new version of Coca-Cola, it doesn't matter who I am really for the most part. Is it a good product? Does it have nice packaging? Is it priced right? And do you have marketing? But mm-hmm. when you are selling a service, 
like, like what I'm doing coaching, you right. are the brand. Mm-hmm. And so to answer your question, no, there wasn't like a, a an aha moment. I just knew that I want to help people because when you go through some of these experiences in life, they're really difficult mm-hmm. to put it, you know, lightly. Yeah. yeah. And like when I was a LinkedIn coach, there was so much of myself that I wasn't using and it just didn't feel authentic. And after like four months of being a LinkedIn coach, I'm like, ah, fuck this. This is no, forget it. <laughs> and, you know, so I, it took me a few months of thinking and I thought, wait a minute, what, what, what it's right in front of my face. And it's kind of weird. You know how sometimes you kind of, you go through maybe a period of, of your life where you kind of know something in the back of your head. Like I kind of, I'm not really surprised I ended up as a coach because I, I just, I kind of always saw myself helping other people. Mm -hmm. And so anyways, I mean, everything I teach is based on real world experience that I have lived. So it's authentic. Mm. It's real. That totally makes sense. So it, it, it's a perfect fit. I I enjoy it. I I like sharing my story because I like to, you know, like if you look at some of the, the, the most famous podcasters in the world, like the Tim Ferriss and that, what are they doing? They're bringing value into the world. They're bringing value that's going to mm-hmm. last long after they leave this planet. And that's that's what I want to do. I know that sounds mm-hmm. a little uh, kind of... No, I think it's beautiful. No, but, there's nothing corny about it. And It's about value and, and making is. people's lives better. And I'll come back to that. Kurt, only I've known you for 45 minutes, <laughs> almost an hour. And I have zero doubt that you had that influence in the restaurants and that there were people that you mentored and developed over time. And that's part of why you ended up where you are doing what you're doing. So I appreciate that. I have many years of restaurant experience from the front of the house. And my husband was a sous chef in a restaurant in Washington, D.C. before we met. So I have a lot of experience in that. And Knowing what I know about you just in the last 45 minutes, my guess is that you did have life-changing impact on some of those people that you worked with over those 27 years. So thank you. Oh, no, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, really, for joining me. This has been such an interesting conversation. We never even got into the whole music side of things. But I'm so glad you joined me, Kurt. Um, for our listeners, what's what are the best places to find your content and to connect with you? And listeners, again, this will all be in the show notes associated with the podcast at elkinsconsulting.com. But let's hear it from Kurt. Okay. Well, first of all, I, I appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. So where can you find me? I post on LinkedIn Monday through Saturdays, uh, about 7.30 a.m. Central Time. And on my feature section on my LinkedIn profile, I have a free training. So if anybody is is feeling a little bit lost in life, or maybe you've you you've climbed the you know you've done well in your career and, and you've lost your passion and, and need new direction, or maybe you're you've gotten to a point where you're like you know what I need something more from life. I need to reprioritize. There's a free video in my feature section on my LinkedIn profile. And then I also have a website. It's called, uh, it's kurtsasek.net. That's C-U-R-T-S-A-S-S-A-K.net. I'm actually adding more things to it. And yeah, I coach people one-on-one. It's a 10-week program. And so um, what I do is I work, you know, I work them through. Basically, it's, 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 it's uncovering 
the the cloud that that, mm-hmm. that, cl- that blocks our vision, the cloud that you know societal expectations, limiting beliefs, uh, negative stories we tell ourselves. And it's my job to to help you see clearly, because at the end of the day, you know we all want a nice house or nice car and money. That's all great, but what I found from my experience and from my clients is what we really want at the end of the day is you just want to be happy. You want to, and, and you want to get back to that feeling of, man, I'm wake up and I look forward to going to work again. Mm-hmm. And, and, but more than anything, you, you just want the peace of mind and confidence that comes with knowing you're on the right path. And so Absolutely. that's my job is to get people on the right path so they can find that purpose and fulfillment mm-hmm. and happiness. Life's too short. And, and, you know, I'll close it on when I, I'm 52. And when I hit the forties, it was having conversations with people my age or older. That's when I started noticing how, how many people in life just settle. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to settle, you know? So, yeah. Well, I keep coming back to the idea that we want to contribute. We need to contribute to be part of something that it, that adds value to our communities. So listeners, now it's your turn. I'm going to ask you to consider the Viktor Frankl quote that is one of my favorites. And I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have it completely memorized, but Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor. And if he can say this after experiencing Auschwitz, almost anyone can relate to this. And his comment was that there is space between stimulant and response. And in that space is our choice. Listeners, I'm asking you to take that space between something that's happening and how you respond to it to choose the value instead of giving it an automatic value of positive or negative. Really consider that part of your life that you're frustrated with is it happening to you or is it happening for you? Thanks for listening. Smile, what's the use of crying? You'll find that life is still worthwhile if you just smile.